0: Thank yeah, you, well, Thank you, worship team. Um, it's good to be with you guys again, this morning, again via Zoom. Uh, time really flies. Uh, the more I think about it, uh, recently I've been planning for Easter. So it's, it's really scary how time flies, right? Well, 2020, with all that's happened, and now planning for Easter in 2021. Um, and for those of you who are much older, like myself or Elder Jimmy, you know it's a very scary thing, right? getting older. It's one thing that I, I personally dread. So I constantly um, try, not to, try not to get older. And, and it's, just, it's just a reminder. And I've been thinking in the last couple of days that our time here on earth is so limited. And, and that should drive us all the more to do, to do more for the kingdom of God. You know, I was talking to a young adult yesterday over coffee, and he's had some struggles with his faith. And he said that one thing about Christians is that what surprises him about Christians is that if they really believe that their boat, that their life jacket is the only one that saves people, an analogy to Christianity and Jesus being the only way. If he, if, if, if Christians truly believe that, then they will do whatever it takes to try to grab as much people uh, towards their boat. To, to pass out that life jacket and when he said these words it really struck me yesterday and i was been thinking about it and i said and that's right as christians if we do generally believe that jesus saves then we ought to do everything that we can to make sure everyone hears that message and so as, as time just flies and and as you get older you'll, you'll start to realize maybe when you're young you, you won't get that now but as you get to my age, you start to realize time flies and, and you don't want to get to the end of your life celebrating, oh, I've paid the bills <laughs> and, then, and then end up in the coffin. Right? We want to get to the end of our lives and be like, you know, I can continue to press on for God's kingdom. I can continue to, to love my neighbor. I can continue to, to, to be preaching the kingdom of God, to be loving people and and that's my hope and desire for, for all of us and today's passage that's what i want to speak on because if you think about the last few years the topic of social justice is like a buzzword right and not so much in my generation but but over the last 10 years this this issue and this topic of social justice is 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 um it's quite a popular topic and and it's getting more traction and more more popularity within the church um and, and so today I wanted to use the word of God to speak into that buzzword, the social justice. And, and that's from Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. Now, now the reason why I want to speak about this is because there's a lot of talks on social justice lately. And if you look at all the things that have happened in America, if, if we look at just California alone, there's so much talk on the housing issue, uh, homelessness, homelessness now racism with Asian-Americans and the BLM movement, all this talk on social justice. Um, and, and I think as a church, we need to speak into that. We need to think and act accordingly during these times. And there's no shortage and there's no um, shortage of debates and cultural analysis on what people can do um, for others, right? Whether it's racism or people losing their jobs, or people suffering with depression, Um, I think the question that we need to be asking as Christians, as a community is what is our part to play as Christ followers? And I know uh, you guys, um, I saw in your news that you guys are like going to feed the poor and and giving out clothes and food to the people who are in need. And that's great. And so that's why I want to talk about this big topic uh, from the word of God and let God's word speak into, into this uh, big issue of social justice. So if you have your Bibles, I want to read again, Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. So as I, as I read this, I want you guys to come with a heart of, of receiving and, and to really think deeply uh, and dwell on, on what Jesus says here. So verse 25, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit internal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? And he answered, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on by the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place, and saw him passed on by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. When he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring an oil on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So I want to start off with a question to you this morning. What kind of person are you? What kind of person are you? That's a big question that we often think and reflect on. What kind of person are you? You know, I love doing these personality tests. um, And and not long ago, I did a personality test. And the result was that I'm a dreamer. Now, I don't know what that means or whatever that means. I don't really agree with that result. But there was something interesting in that report. And it said, I'm willing to engage in some good old-fashioned rebellion if it's for the greater good. I'm willing to engage in some good old-fashioned rebellion if it's for the greater good. Now, I think for me, growing up as a pastor's son, I've always been quite rebellious. So that's, that's quite true. That's part of my nature. And I've always been getting up to no good. I like doing naughty things. And even now, engaging in rebellious things gets me somewhat excited, always pushing the limits. But I want to ask you this morning, after reading the story of the Good Samaritan, what kind of person are you? What kind of person are you? If you were placed in this situation, you were walking down the street in Saratoga, you see this guy lying half dead in need in trouble, are you the type of person to first evaluate and determine whether this person is legit in need of help? Or are you the type of person to 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 immediately show love and compassion? What kind of person are you? That's the big question that we're going to address this morning. Because from today's passage, we're going to see a story told by Jesus. And, and, and we're going to see that Jesus ultimately teaches us that the love of one's neighbor must transcend all natural human boundaries, such as race, nationality, religion, economic or educational status. Now, I know there are many different ways to look at this passage and there's many uh, interpretations on how one can apply this passage. And I'm probably, I'm I'm, I'm sure most of you have heard different interpretations of how how one looks at this passage. But I want to speak something directly to this this Asian American community. Um, My concern and where I want to head this morning is to challenge you to look outside of yourself, to look outside of yourself. Because I believe, I think in our Asian narrative, growing up in America or Australia, wherever it may be, a lot of us have been taught from a young age to look out for ourselves. To look out for ourselves. Get the good grades, get that good college, be in a good relationship, attend a good church and walk with God. Now, there is nothing wrong in in those things. But when those things and items become the ultimate thing that we strive for, we start to lose the big picture of God's kingdom. And God's kingdom is, is people. And we lose sight of missions and we lose sight of loving people in our community. And I think that's an area where most Chinese churches lack. And that's what I want to speak into this morning. So if we look at the background here, there's a story of a good Samaritan uh, we first need to understand the background. A lawyer interrupts this conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. The disciples, they just came back from a mission trip and, and they're sort of giving this mission debrief to Jesus. They're excited. They experienced so much in, in Luke 10. They were like celebrating and telling Jesus, hey, Jesus, even the demons submit to us in your name. And they were filled with joy and, and just giving this mission report to their master. Um, and, and as they give this report, a lawyer, an expert in the Old Testament law, abruptly asked Jesus a question to test him and put him on the spot. Right? Teacher, what shall I do to inherit internal life? Jesus answered, what is written in the law? How does it read to you? And in reply, what's interesting here is the lawyer gives his textbook answer. Right? It's a textbook answer if you think about it. It's like for those of you who grew up at church, right? Our textbook answer is always Jesus. You can't go wrong with that answer, right? Your Sunday school teacher asks you any question, you you haven't been listening and you say oh Jesus. Likewise this lawyer gives this textbook answer. He doesn't think deeply enough. And, and so he's hoping to get that like that appraisal from Jesus or that sticker from Jesus. And he's quickly responds, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul with all your strength and all your mind and your neighbor yourself. And Jesus says, then, well, you're right. You've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But now what's interesting, the lawyer wants to justify himself by sort of trying to trick Jesus or putting Jesus on the spot by saying this question, well, who qualifies as my neighbor? You see, this question, I believe, reveals the lawyer's insincerity. And I think this question from the lawyer reveals our own hearts when it comes to loving people, loving our neighbor, neighbours. It's sort of like this, right? When we try to get away with responsibility, we will start to see people as non-neighbours. Now, I was reminded by this response of my own nature. When I know I ought to help someone in need, internally I have this struggle. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I live in Foster City. That guy is from East Palo Alto. It's not really my neighbor. I'm trying to justify myself. Well, who really is my neighbor? If I live in Foster City or my church is in Menlo Park, I can't really help people in, in Myanmar or, or in East Palo Alto or any parts of the world. They're, they're not really my neighbor. So I should focus my shift on, on people in Foster City. You see, this is what the lawyer does as well. And, and he asks this question who is my neighbor? But instead, what a more appropriate question to ask Jesus should be, how can I be a loving neighbor? How can I be a loving neighbor? That's the question that I think we need to be asking ourselves constantly. As Christ followers, when we are called to share and and serve those around us, we can't be sitting here as Christians in the Bay Area thinking, Or who qualifies as my neighbour? You know, I remember sharing this thought many, many years ago at, at Home of Christ here, at my home church, and someone immediately questioned me. Ben, we have to discern. We have to make sure we're not getting tricked because these people who want our money or who need help, they might use it for drugs or alcohol. And immediately, I could sense that this person was trying to shift the focus. He was trying to shift the focus, not on doing, but more on discerning. Now, you see, I believe in our own narrative from what we've been taught in our own upbringing. We have been wired to discern. You know, I remember when I was in Taiwan and my parents would bring me to to night markets um, and and as a kid traveling, my parents to night markets. You know, in Taiwan, sometimes you would see like beggars on the street at the night market. And, and I would always tell my parents, you know, oh, dad, I really want to give my red pocket money to the to this beggar. And my dad will always say, no, 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 come along, come along. They're, they're imposters or, or people trying to trick people out of their money. Let's go. Now, I don't blame my parents, but that's what gets ingrained in us from a young age. And instead of showing concern and love for people around us, we start to think, what well, does that person qualify for us to love them? And as I talk to many young adults and many people in the congregation, that's what people think about. Well, that person could be using our money for drugs or for alcohol, or how do we really know that they need the money and they're they're using it for for good means? And I think that's the question. I think that's the problem with the Chinese church. And I think that's the problem with many of us where we lack in social justice. So Jesus addresses this, and he begins with a story of the Good Samaritan. Now, in verse 30, we're told of this story where where someone travels from Jerusalem to Jericho, and on the way, he gets beaten up, all right? They strip him, they beat him, he's half dead. Now, imagine the context. You're walking in a dark alley, in a pretty rough city. It's a long journey. You get beaten up, stripped half, uh, sh- stripped, robbed. You're struggling to breathe. And this person walks on by, a priest, all right? In verse 31, a priest. A priest, you know, we can think of in our modern context as a pastor or an elder. Let's just, for example, say Howard walks down the alleyway gets beaten up. Elder Jerry starts walking on by. All right, and he passed on the other side. Elder Jerry looks at ours like, "Oh, I don't, I don't know him. I don't know. He's probably trying to trick me off my money." He walks on the other side, right? Um, the priest is like, "I got more things to focus on. I have to go to go to the temple." And elder Jerry's like, "You know, I have to go to Hock for for this meeting, elder board meeting. I'm in a hurry." Um, maybe someone else will come and sort out this problem. Second, a Levi walks by. Levi is someone who also ministers at the church. So he's like me. All right. Someone like I walk past and I see Howard. I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm also in a rush to, to go preach at Hockfall. Um, I, I, I can't, I can't stop. I can't help Howard now. Um, look, someone else will, will take care of him. You see, both were religious men, the priest and the Levi. They didn't stop to help. Now, this person was lying half dead. And, and, you know, some Bible scholars state that maybe it's because the priests and the Levites, they didn't want to defile themselves by touching a dead body or someone that is possibly dead. Um, So they just looked, went around him and kept going. Uh, We don't know if that was the case. Jesus doesn't tell us exactly why they didn't stop to help. But all we know is that these men, They had a righteous responsibility to stop and help, but they walked on by instead. Now, at this point, I can just imagine the people around Jesus shocked to hear this. Like, oh my goodness, right? A priest, a Levite walk on by, who's going to come and save the day? Maybe people in the crowd would have been, ah, because the context would have been a lot of Jews, right? They would have been, ah, of course, a righteous community loving Jew would have come to save the day. But Jesus takes a different turn in the story. He mentions a Samaritan. A Samaritan traveling by took pity on this man. Now, a Samaritan is very interesting because everyone back then knew the tension between Jews and Samaritans, right? Jews were always throwing shade at Samaritans for centuries. And Jews viewed Samaritans as as, as half-breeds because they weren't pure um, there was a lot of hatred in the in the days uh, in John chapter 4 verse 9 Jews have no dealing with Samaritans that's what we're told but here let's see what the Samaritan does. as he traveled he saw him he took pity on him. he went to him and bandaged his wounds pouring on oil and wine then put the man on his own donkey, brought him to like a hotel and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, look after him and then when I return, I'm going to reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Now think about this. The Samaritan went above and beyond in his aid for this beaten traveler. He did CPR, gave him first aid, gave him his ride, Back then, a donkey was, like, important for transport. It's probably the equivalent in our modern context of giving this guy our car, brought him to a hotel, gave him money that would last him for a while, and promised to to pay the whole bill in full when he returned. It's basically, like, all the room service fees, the cleaning fees, everything will be taken care of. What this Samaritan did, helps us better understand what it means to show mercy and social justice. And it illustrates the ministry of Jesus Christ. You see, the Samaritan identified with the needs of this complete stranger and felt pity and had compassion on him. What did the Samaritan do? He stopped and helped even when it's inconvenient. He refused to draw boundaries without prejudice. He loves people who do not belong to his own ethnic tribe. This Samaritan also teaches us that he opened his wallet. Since the Samaritan was on a journey, think about it, he needed probably money to survive for his many days of journey. But instead, he goes out of his way to take this man to an inn, gives him his money, and returns back to this inn to pay the expenses in full. Instead of just like dropping and leaving him, at the inn, the Samaritan decides to pay for all his expenses and then come back to visit him. He basically puts his journey on hold to show compassion and care for someone in need. He didn't do the just the bare minimum. But yeah, like, oh, I'm a good person now. I can tick the boxes. I've done my part in social justice. He went above and beyond what was required. And I think this Samaritan teaches us Christians what we should be doing, not just ticking the boxes and doing the bare minimum, but going above what is required. I'll share a very personal story. Like when when we as a church started to do social justice, and we started to feed the poor in East Palo Alto, um, the homeless, when we first started doing this, I thought to myself, well, well, that makes me a pretty good pastor now. I'm, I'm ticking the boxes. I'm doing my part in social justice. And, and I started to notice that as I, as I did these acts and, and good deeds, it started to become like a thing where I was just ticking the boxes. Where I could tell people, like, yeah, you know, I've done my part in social justice. And, and I had to really question myself whether I was really going above what was required. You see, I want that to challenge us as a church. I want that to challenge you as Christians, as Chinese Christians in the Bay Area. As we live out our faith journey this year, especially with what COVID has done to many people, loss of jobs, people who have had fights with their families and and the ongoing economic recession. As God's people, what are we doing? What What are we seeing around us? Are we opening our hearts, our hands, our wallets, our times, our schedules for those around us? You know, there's a very famous story that goes like this a man by the name of Ernest Gordon. Now Gordon was a British army officer who was a former captive in a Japanese prison camp. So you can imagine already, he was a former captive in a Japanese prison camp. Imagine the horrendous things that he would have witnessed and that it would have been afflicted upon him. Now late in the war, as Gordon and other prisoners of war traveled through the jungles of Asia, they, they stumbled across a train full of wounded Japanese soldiers nearly dying of neglect now out of his love for Christ Ernest Gordon and many of his fellow officers you know what they did instead of taking revenge they started to administer first aid to these soldiers their enemies and one of their one of their fellow officers was filled with outrage and he said to them, you, you bloody fools. Don't you realize these guys are the enemy? Then Ernest Gordon, what he did was he explained to the whole regiment the parable of the Good Samaritan. And then this officer was even more angry. And he replied, well, that's in the Bible. These are the swine who have starved us and beaten us. And they've even murdered our comrades. They are our enemies. And then Ernest Gordon responded by saying, Who is my enemy? Isn't he my neighbor? My enemy is my neighbor. And then he went on back with helping these Japanese soldiers. And that's the big question for us, isn't it? Who can I be a neighbor to? Even though people may be our enemies. Or people may look very different to us. And we have nothing in common. Who can I be a neighbor to? As one Bible scholar states, one cannot define one's neighbor. One can only be a neighbor. We can't go around defining who is our neighbor. We can only go around being a neighbor. You see, the concept of of the term neighbor is not to be debated or defined. We can't sit around and define who our neighbor is in advance. We can only be a neighbor when the moment of mercy arrives. And this has nothing to do with geography, citizenship, or race. Whenever people need us as Christians, we can be a neighbor to them. Like our Lord Jesus, we can show mercy. You see, for the lawyer, he wants to turn something into a, a, a a simple thing into something complex, philosophical. But Jesus made it very simple and practical. He moved it from duty to love, from debating to doing. And I've seen that growing up in the church. People who are afraid of doing their part in social justice immediately want to take the position of philosophical or theological discussion. People who are afraid of loving people immediately want to talk Talk about it in a theological term or philosophical term. But the reality is this. And I've seen it in my own life growing up at church. We often take care of our own. And it's much easier to to look after those who are lovable or, or those who are in our inner circle of our friends. And normally it starts with our family, our friends, our church community. But if we take this passage seriously this morning, we must love all people, regardless of, of their sex, uh, sexuality, their gender, their, their social, econ- the, um, social status, what race they are. We must be kind to all people whenever the occasion rises. And as a church, we have a God-given duty to welcome all people into the church to come and know Jesus. And we have to be careful not to just sit here and ask questions. Do they really need our help? Are they really in trouble? Does that person really look half dead? Are they really in distress? Because when we do that, we start to draw boundaries. We start to make distinction lines between who's deserving and who's undeserving. And... what. what we do is that we start to reason within ourselves. Our love has to have limits, right? We can't go around helping everybody. Certainly people, uh, some people will qualify as our neighbors. You see, that's what, what happened with the lawyer. That's his same attitude. The parable is not designed to tell us that um, our responsibility right now is to stand beside the road at Saratoga and wait for people who are in need so that we might help them. But the parable is designed to tell us that we need to show mercy and compassion to those in need. Jesus tells us his story and to challenge us. What kind of person am I? What kind of person am I? Instead of asking the question, what sort of people are worthy of my love? We should be asking the question, how can I be a kind person whose compassion pays no heed to status? How can I cultivate a heart of compassion and kindness to those in need, regardless of their position in life and society? In other words, how does the love of Christ drive me to love those around me? In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, Paul says to the Ephesians, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. You know, Tim Keller shared that. If we do not go out of our way to help the poor, we do not really know our own, we do not really know our own status before God. We do not know our own poverty before Him. We need to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave us. So as I conclude this morning. I want to say that we as evangelical Christians in the Bay Area, we need to learn something and be challenged by this story. You see, we may have bumper stickers to T-shirts to Bible verses on Instagram. We claim that we know Jesus. We claim that we are in him and, and we love him. But here's the important thing. As we have seen in this parable, if we really do have Christ living in our hearts, We're going to be loving and merciful to our neighbors, those whom we meet along the road of life. And the kindness of us Christians towards others should not be in in word and in tongue only, but it should play itself out in deed and in truth. Our love should be a practical love, a love which, which entails self sacrifice, self denial, both in money, time, and in trouble. Our charity. Is not just in our talk, but in our actions. And I want to say this, our charity should stretch us. It should stretch us emotionally. It should stretch us financially. It should make us feel uncomfortable. And that's a serious call to consider. Are we merciful? Are we truly compassionate to others? What we see here in the Good Samaritan this morning is a genuine Christ-like attitude. And that's something that we need to learn. Today, we actually don't like opportunities to be good Samaritans. There's so many people around us that that need help. And so we must ask God, how can we help them? How can we go above and beyond with their needs? Oh God, help me to have a heart filled with compassion, be willing to be inconvenienced to be open up my time and resources to help them where I can. And for those of you who are not coming across these type of people, I want you to ask God for opportunities for those people to come into your life so that you can go help them. So let me close off by asking you a question. To whom can you be enabled To whom can you, and to whom should you be a neighbor today? Who can be a neighbor today to you? Maybe it's that annoying colleague. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's that bully at school. Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's that person who believes in a different political party. Maybe it's that person who's struggling with same-sex attraction or who's in a homosexual relationship. Or maybe it's that divorced single mom. Who can you be a neighbor to? Whatever the case, the issue isn't about who they are or what they are like. The issue is about who you are and what you are like to them. The issue isn't whether they qualify to be your neighbor. The issue is whether you would choose to be a neighbor to them. So as I finish up, we can't help but be reminded this morning of being saved by Jesus Christ. For the mercy and compassion there he first showed to us. And when Jesus came to give aid and to give us life, we were dead in our own trespasses and sins. When Jesus came out of his way to help us, it costed him the sufferings of earth, the blood of his own body, the agonies of his soul upon the cross. Jesus traveled a much greater distance to help people in much greater need at a much greater cost. Jesus came and showed mercy to you and I. So as Christ believers, how can we do the same? How can we as a church show the same love and compassion to those around us. Let's pray. God, our Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your words. This parable of the Good Samaritan, who reminds us of what it truly means to be a neighbor to those around us. Lord, give us those opportunities where we are called to love and go outside of our comfort zones, to to be stretched emotionally, spiritually, in our wallets, in our times, in our schedules, to love as you have loved us. Help us as the church to think how we can repay what you have done for us in deeds and in actions to our neighbors. Help us as Christ followers to be faithful and to do likewise. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.